One clear night, a monk sat in front of his hut on the mountainside, admiring the luminous glow of the full moon. As he gazed upward, um, a thief crept, step by stone up the mountain toward him. Arriving at the monk's hut, the thief demanded, Give me all you own. The monk replied, My hut is empty. I possess only these ragged clothes. Come and sit beside me. I'm happy to share the night sky with you. Give me all you own, the thief demanded again. The monk removed his clothes and handed them to the thief. Bundling them under his arm, the thief crept stone by stone down the mountain. The monk sat shivering and naked in the moonlight, watching the thief disappear in the shadows. He sighed and thought, What a poor man he is. I wish I could give him this beautiful moon. How often have we chosen something else when what we really crave and need is beauty? I invite you to take a moment to bring to your mind something so beautiful that it takes your breath away or a beauty that calls for a deep sigh, fills your eyes with tears, or your body with laughter. Got it? Or is it hard? You got it. Let the beauty we love be what we do, writes Rumi. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Here we are on the first day of autumn, the first full day of autumn, awaiting the color and the beauty of this season. I look around and I don't see much color, but on the ground the leaves tell a different story. Why is the world so beautiful? Robin Wall Kimmerer asked this question. She's a botanist, a professor, and a citizen of the Potawatomi Nation. And this is her question. Why is the world so beautiful? We may have a hard time agreeing with her. We might say, I'm such a mess right now. We are such a mess right now. The nation, the world, the politics, the divisions we feel. But Robin Wall Kimmerer and I myself would ask again, why is the world so beautiful? Any of us who has taken a trip to see the national parks or gone to the beach or the desert southwest or the Potomac River or Great Falls or even stood in this parking lot at dusk knows beauty. Those of us who have listened to jazz and blues and blues whether in New Orleans or Chicago or in our own homes, or sat by a lake in Vermont or traveled to Africa or Ireland or other lands, those who find places to plant flowers to share or sink deeply into the sound of singing bowls, 
those who find joy in the kitchen, preparing and eating delicious food, those who dance and do yoga, no beauty. The transformational worship theme this month is vision. Lest we think it only be about our eyes, I invite you to expand that to all of your senses and to what you may experience or envision in your mind. You know how to see beauty, how to hear it or touch it or experience it. But why is the world so beautiful? When Robin Wall Kimmerer, at age 18, proudly proclaimed to her forestry class that she had entered the school because she wanted to be a botanist, because she wanted to know why asters and goldenrod look so good together, she was met with a less than respectful response about this class being about science, and if she wanted to know about colors, she should take an art class. My early religious life was spent primarily as a Southern Baptist. It was a series of contrasts with rules and polarities. It was black or it was white. It was right or it was wrong. It was good or it was bad. And there was one right way. It would take longer than we have today for me to describe it accurately, I'm guessing that many of you may know what I'm talking about. But once, during the summers, because it was held during the day instead of at night, my brothers and sisters and I got to attend the vacation Bible school at the Quaker church a few miles from our house. We were picked up by Miss Annabelle White, who lived down the road from us, And every day at that church, for snack, we had peanut butter on Ritz crackers and Pepsi. The crackers were prepared by the ladies at the church, and they were made into little sandwiches. A cracker, peanut butter, and another cracker to top it. They were lined up in rows, two little sandwiches on a napkin for each of us to take, and we took it with a cup of Pepsi with ice, and dare I say, it was both delicious and beautiful. What was more beautiful was the experience with the Quaker Church. It was not without youthful squabbles, but what I remember most, mostly the women leaders, was that they were loving. In the Bible stories that they told, There was always a God willing to forgive, always a human that was truly sorry for their wrongdoing, a human that was truly faithful and making choices based on love, and a God that supported that. It was later in my life that I was able to realize the difference Not until I had left both the Baptist and the Quakers that I was able to distinguish that while there was love in the Baptist church, it also felt rather punitive, and what the Quakers felt was loving. And later after that, I was able to look from a more objective and frankly a more healed place and appreciate what the Baptist church had given me. It was in many ways a wonderful community, 
You knew who you could count on, and you knew you were welcome. And somewhere in all that reflecting and healing and putting things back together, I dreamed about Jesus. And I dreamed that Jesus and I were sitting on a rock together. It was a big rock. And we were talking about all kinds of things that I really wish I could remember because it was fabulous in that dream. But what I do remember is at some point we were both bathed in this golden, pulsating, clear light that swirled around us, pulsing with life and love. It was a dream. But when I awoke, what I felt was that I had experienced an integration, a healing, a reclaiming of that part of myself that had been told that I was anything less than loved, anything less than beautiful, anything less than loving, anything less than inherently worthy of love. There were no more hoops to jump through, no more right way or wrong way, even if I still think that sometimes today. In that moment, the beauty of being was reclaimed. With all that's going on in the world right now, with the hurricanes and fires and flooding, with the tweets, oh, the tweets, and the constant everyday barrage of news and fake news, with the decisions every day that seem to be destroying our democracy and dehumanizing most people, when it's hard hard enough to keep our sanity let alone keep our hope and our spirits alive. How do we continue to love this world if not for holding a vision of beauty? The Navajo of North America, or as they call themselves, the Diné, say, beauty is before me and beauty is behind me. Above me and below me hovers the beautiful. I am surrounded by it. I am immersed in it. In my youth, I am aware of it, and in my old age, I shall walk quietly the beautiful trail. In beauty, it is begun. In beauty, it is ended. Beauty before me, beauty below me, beauty all around me. In beauty, I walk. For the Diné, they create art to maintain this perfect state of harmony, beauty, blessedness, and balance. And if we look around and do not see beauty, then we need to be about the business of creating it. And then we need to share it. Beauty is meant to be shared. Von Ogden Beucht, a 20th century Unitarian theologian, writes of beauty as one of the three liberal religious absolutes the other two being truth and goodness. The old hymn goes, let beauty, truth, and good be sung through every land by every tongue. Those three absolutes of Unitarianism, and beauty is one. 
So what I, I would ask then how we create beauty in our own lives. How do we go about the business of that? At All Souls UU Church in New York City, they offer meals to people who are homeless and food insecure. And on Sundays, there are two huge flower arrangements that adorn the chancel. I haven't been to All Souls, but I imagine that it's a pretty big sanctuary. These two huge flower arrangements adorn the chancel on Sundays, and during the week, volunteers break those down and make flower arrangements for the tables for the dinner that they offer to the homeless and food insecure. And at the end of the night, the guests at the dinner are invited to take those with them. I would say take them home, but if they're homeless, they don't have that but still they're invited to take these flowers with them. A little beauty for their week, beauty that is meant to be shared. In the Barrio Logan area of San Diego, a bridge was built, the Coronado Bridge. It crosses from the mainland in San Diego over to Coronado Island where the military base is. This bridge meant that huge steel boulders and beams were put through what used to be a neighborhood. You can see how big they are if you take a look at the picture that's on your, on your pew. I placed pictures throughout the sanctuary on the pews. If you, um, if you, if you pass it down to your neighbor, if you, um, aren't seeing it, everyone, every pew should have one. What you're looking at is how the residents reclaimed the area under the bridge with their art. They call it Chicano Park. And artists somehow have painted the steel supports of the bridge with beautiful social, religious, and political art. They built a fountain and created metal sculptures of families. They have reclaimed what was taken from them, mended with beauty what tore them apart, They have said, no, you cannot have my soul. You cannot have my ability to create. You cannot have that part of me that says that I am loved, that I am worthy. You cannot have our community, which that which binds me to others and to my own humanity. What takes away from you the feeling that you are worthy of love? Call up now that image of beauty from earlier. And know that this beauty reminds you that there is love in this world. That you are loved by this world, by this earth. Why is the world so beautiful? Robin Wall Kimmerer began this quest over purple asters and goldenrod. The beauty that she found with her eyes, she also found with her mind. There is, in fact, a scientific reason that asters and goldenrod grow together because the two flowers together attract more pollinators than if they grow separately from one another. They offer more beauty by being together and provide more beauty in an endless and beneficial ecological cycle. And this is true for humans, too. When we consciously seek out the beauty in the natural world, we can see it more easily in ourselves 
and we can see it more easily in others. This is one task and benefit of being in religious community, to bring out one another's beauty and celebrate it. We can know that we are loved and we can offer love to others. Seeing beauty and looking for beauty can help us reclaim our vision. As it did for me in my dream, I could let go of the boulder that was placed in my heart and know that I was worthy of love. Beauty has the power to transform. Seeing beauty and looking for beauty can help us reclaim our vision of what it means to be in this world, of what it means to love this world, and let the world love us back. This is not false hope. This is about finding what we know is beautiful and letting that feed us. It is about taking something that may not be beautiful and transforming it into something beautiful and beneficial. It is at heart essential to our survival. Beauty is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It is meant to be shared. We take the beauty that we find in the world and each other and share that with the larger world. We take what we find here in this beloved community and spread it to those who need a vision for their own lives. And we share in the beauty that they find. We can find, indeed, a hundred ways to kneel and kiss the ground and a hundred ways to answer the question, why is the world so beautiful? May it be so.